0: Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Ah, uh, it is a, it is a merry Christmas. It's a, you know, understanding the reason why we celebrate. You know, why we, why do we celebrate this day? As it is, we celebrate the birth of Christ, the birth of our Savior and our Lord. Uh, I, I love that, <coughs> Emmanuel. God is with us. Uh, you know, we're singing that song, and 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 uh, just kept thinking of tabernacle, <laughs> tabernacle, that that God dwells with us. There's so much in the Word of God where it's just always pointing to how the, the Lord wants a relationship with us. He wants to, He wants to be with us. He wants to dwell with His creation. He wants to impart His His love and His truth and His wisdom to us, so that we can have uh, a pure, right relationship with Him. And that's. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. That's a that's a beautiful thing to know that he allowed you to get it. <laughs> that you're one of those people that can say, "I, I got it. I understand that uh, that my life is his, and that his my 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 best interests or his best interests in, in, are in everything that he does in me and through me. Even if it's stuff that's difficult, even though it's things that are painful, uh, you know, he has my best interest at heart." And so it's uh, thats why we celebrate. It's a great day. It's a great time. Um, this is going to be a short <laughs> message, probably the shortest message I've ever—I've ever preached. As as hard as that is to believe for some of you, <laughs> um, but we will be uh, this morning in Micah, the book of Micah, chapter five, and uh, we're just going to read. Verse 2, that, that, is, that is the, the going to be the crux, the heart of this message. It's entitled, The Eternal King is Born. And, uh, you know, I was led to, to this passage of scripture. I know it's not a typical passage that that, that people would preach or teach on, but it actually has uh, its roots in, in the prophecy, over the hundreds of prophecies that speak of uh, the newborn king coming. And so um, when you turn there, if you can, stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read. Uh, this, this uh, passage of Scripture, and we'll get into our message uh, this morning. Uh, once again, it's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I'll go ahead and read, and it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you that we can uh, come before you and that we can celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. It is all about your son. The reason why we give gifts and uh, <laughs> is because the, the greatest gift has been given to all of us, Lord May we be humble enough to receive it, Lord, and and know that we have eternal life in your Son, Jesus Christ. So as uh, we go through the passage this morning, may you just uh, anoint my lips, Lord. May your word uh, speak freely through your servant, Lord. And uh, may your uh, will be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen. All right. Again, you know, Christmas Day... Uh, and, you know, some people can argue and go back and forth. To, you know, this is uh, one of the most blessed times of the year. I had a conversation with one of my coworkers, and, uh, you know, you can go back and forth with here, at Easter. Uh, obviously, we needed the Lord to to lay his life down and resurrect. So Easter is super important too. And then some people have the train of thought, well, you know, hey, but if the Lord, if the triune God didn't, didn't um, converge on a plan from the beginning to say, hey, we're going to send the second person of the Trinity to earth to uh, be, be born uh, of a virgin girl, uh, none of that would have happened. So, you know, you can argue either way, but uh, today is a great day. It's uh, a blessed time of the year. This is, again, our annual reminder right? as believers, as followers of Christ, that God desired so much that none perish, that he would give his only begotten son, that whoever would turn to him would have redemption. We don't have to earn it. It's a gift. It's freely given. It's wrapped in the person of Christ, and and, 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 and we have the opportunity to receive that. All of us here, I believe we've all received it, so now for us, we have the great commission of being able to share that great gift with anyone we come across and, and to not be silenced. Uh, there's so much <clears throat> going on in, in, in the world today, and I, I don't, I don't want to get into a political thing, and this was not even on topic, but i got to share it because the Lord just showed me and reminded me. We need to remember how, um, how intense and what cross crosshairs we're in as the church uh, you know, the president of the United States on Tuesday just basically said that, that, uh, that uh, you know, across the land, uh, homosexual marriage is now recon- recognized as, as legitimate, that it, it, is, it is legitimate. And he said something to the lines of, uh, it doesn't matter if two people love each other, there should be nothing that says that they can't, uh, you know, get together. But, you know, with that kind of thinking, you've got to really understand Who's to say it's not wrong for a 65-year-old man to marry a 5-year-old girl or a 13-year-old girl because they both love each other and it's okay? You know, it's been said that once a, 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 once a, a civilization widely accepts homosexuality as the norm and, and, and you know, American Girl, they got this whole thing where they, they, they set it up where they, they have a booklet out now saying that, And it's targeted at girls from ages 11 down that they say in there you can be whatever sex you want you can go to a doctor and a doctor can give you medicine to slow down how your body naturally is growing so you can decide if you want to be a boy or a girl so you see on every front <clears throat> um, we are being attacked. Civilization is being attacked with this. And once you once you embrace homosexuality like it's the norm and it's totally okay, and you don't oppose the fact that this is an unnatural thing, the first uh, thing that God instituted, they're they're desecrating it. Then comes uh, pedophilia becomes okay, and that becomes a norm. And then finally bestiality. All these things that were way back when you know, you would get flogged, you would get killed for this. Now it's it's widely accepted and it's promoted. So uh, I'm just sharing that uh, on this Christmas day to remind us as the church to stand firm on the rock of Jesus Christ. Do not give in to uh, the ways of the world and, and, the, and, the, and the lure of what culture is trying to promote because uh, it, it's not a good thing. And at some point, um, you know, Obviously, the powers that be are going to try to silence the church even here in this country. But we need to continue to band together and trust in the Lord and continue to promote the truth. Amen. Mm -hmm. Christmas is a reminder that all have sinned, no matter who you are. All have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. But see, that's the most encouraging thing about it. Because the story of the human race doesn't need to end in, in sin and eternal death and separation with God forever. The gift of salvation through Jesus Christ is readily available to anybody who desires to know him. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what, what, uh, what culture you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're uh, well-versed in, in the Bible. It doesn't matter if you've never read a page of the Bible. Salvation is readily available to anyone who would desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So like I had just mentioned, for most of us, or for all of us, I believe in this room, this is a reminder for what we already know to be true. But for us today, I would I would say and challenge you as I challenge myself, never let the message of Jesus Christ and him leaving the glory of heaven to come down to earth so you can and I could be redeemed, don't ever let that get old. Don't let it become something that gets stale and you just like, uh, you know, I know this, I understand it. It needs to be something that is ever growing within you. And as the living water of Jesus Christ is bubbling up within you, that you would continue to just be enamored by his love and his grace. Amen. <clears throat> May we be reminded today, uh, every day when we take our first breath, that it is he who redeems us and makes us available to receive Salvation. Uh, Unlike many messages, I only have one main point this morning, and that's this. At the heart of the Holy Bible and all of prophecy is the Lord Jesus Christ. At the heart of the Bible, what the Bible is speaking of, it's all about Jesus Christ every prophecy over the hundreds of prophecies that were were given in the old testament and and this is new news to me as far as i i never understood it and it was just a very aha moment for me that you know for mary back then the reason why she was so overwhelmed with the fact that she was chosen to have favor uh, of god and give birth to the messiah was that every young girl was dreaming of that. Every young girl in Israel was desiring that because all of the prophecies said that the Messiah was coming. And that's what they saw on every page uh, of the five books of the Bible of the Old Testament. And so for every young girl, it wasn't like I want to, you know, grow up and become a seamstress. I don't want to grow up and become, you know, whatever X, Y, Z as a profession. I don't want to grow up and go to college. It was like I want to grow up and I want to give birth to the Messiah. So that struck me as very interesting. I never looked at it from that perspective before, but it was such a big deal. But at the heart of the Bible, it's all about Jesus Christ. You see, long ago, the Lord God made a covenant. And aren't you so glad that you serve, that I serve a covenant God, a God that makes a promise to you and keeps it. You see, we may make promises and fall off here and there, but God does not make promises and go back on it. He makes a covenant and he keeps that promise. So he made this covenant with his chosen people of Israel. And he did this to reveal to humanity, to the human race, how a relationship with the true living God should look like that's that 's why he chose Israel as his chosen people. It was through them that he would show all the world how he would interact with people and throughout history, the Lord has reminded and remained faithful to the people of Israel, even when they 've gone astray and, and Again, you can look throughout the pages of scripture and there 's plenty of times where we see you know the Lord is speaking of how Israel has Uh, you know, kicked against the goads and not acted in the manner in which he had, would have them to act. But yet he still never stopped loving them. And you think of the times in your life where you're like, man, I blew it. I messed up. I didn't do right. Lord, I, I didn't take advantage of the opportunity you gave me. But, but he's like, son, daughter, I love you. (laughs) It's all good. He's like, if anything, he's like, repent, (laughs) turn to me, get right with me. You know, your salvation, you can't lose. It's not, it wouldn't be salvation if you could lose it, you know. And that's not a license to be a fool and sin, but it's it, it's a license to serve the Lord and to, and to trust in him and to press in further and further as you keep on living and going through your sanctification process. So that's a beautiful thing. But despite their prolonged rebellion and their long suffering, the covenant remained. The covenant remained. God never said no, I'm I'm gonna change up, uh, you know. Even you know, you remember back, Moses said, "Look, you can't destroy these people. You you made a you made a promise to them, and 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 you don't want these other nations to think that you're weak, because you know the people couldn't make it, and then you know what are you gonna do? And so God's like, oh yeah, Moses. Not that God needed reminding, but that just shows us that God is going to keep His promise no matter what, and He'll never share His glory with anyone, and He'll never look like a fool before men, no matter what civilization and culture tries to do, even with what I just talked about with all this stuff that's going on. God is always going to come out on top, and those who follow Him are always going to come out on top, no matter what. Amen? He remains faithful to His children. He promised to send a Kingsman Redeemer who would save His people from their sins, and the birthplace, birthplace. excuse me, sound like Michael Strahan right there, was identified as Bethlehem, Ephrath, the little town of David. God's word speaks history into being, years and sometimes centuries before it is acted upon and out on the pages of time. And this little insignificant town in the region of Ju- uh, Judah was proclaimed to be the chosen place where the promised Messiah would come. But although... These verses or this verse identifies the birthplace of Christ with so much accuracy. It also proclaims with the same equal authority that this coming ruler of Israel would be the promised deliverer of God's people. He was deity, true deity. Again, Emmanuel, he is God with us. He goes forth from long ago, from the days of past. Into to time that can't be measured, right? He lives outside of space and time. So this begun way long ago, beyond what we could even comprehend. And he, he exists still outside of space and time. We can't put him in a box. He's the one who spoke and everything came into being. He's not, he doesn't have a creator. He's not created. He is the creator. He is the designer. He is the one who has capsulated all this into what we see today. His origin has begun from eternity and his divine personage, if you will, is secured from everlasting to everlasting. I love this verse. Um, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 12 tells us clearly. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You see... God's word speaks history into being and of the hundreds of prophecies that foretold his first coming, not one had failed in its fulfillment. Everything was accomplished. You know, as the Bible says, every to every little last jot and tittle. I I don't have time to get into that, but that jot and tittle is very interesting when you do some research about what that really means. It has to do with the the Hebrew language and how nothing is going to be left out. Every little last bit. And this is the true meaning of Christmas. It's about Jesus coming to dwell with humanity and the fact that that's why we have joy. That's why we have peace, because we know that we have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. And we don't have to walk through this life doom and gloom. We can walk with courage. We can walk knowing that we have the true and living God on our side. All right, let's look at this verse and let's unpack it. I'll read it again. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, Who are too little to be uh, among the clans of Judah from you shall come forth. For me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from ancient days. Okay, so this first statement we see, it says, but you, Bethlehem, uh, Ephrath, out of you shall come forth to me, one to be ruler of Israel. So, again. Israel was dealing with all kind of persecution. We see that all throughout the pages of Scripture. They were always humiliated. Uh, they were always under foreign powers. Uh, we know, fast forward, even when Christ, you know, uh, came on the scene and when he grew up, what was going on? Rome was oppressing. Rome was coming through and they were just having their way with these people. And so that's why uh, many of the Is- uh, people of Is- Israel, they were they just didn't understand what was going on because they thought that a militant God was going to come and destroy Rome and, and and vindicate them, and that wasn't the case. Not in the first advent of Christ. He didn't come with a sword. He didn't come in that in that manner. Um, he came to show people and to die for the sins of the world. But the great one, the great ruler who would come from Bethlehem, who would be raised up from this humble place—that is our Savior Jesus Christ. The word Bethlehem is, <coughs> or. or should I say this town was well known as the hometown of King David, right? Israel's greatest king, greatest human king, and uh, but we have to understand this wasn't a greater influential city. I'm not going to bash Milpitas. Maybe I'll pick on Alviso, but it was small. <laughs> It was like, you know, it was like a, I don't want to say cesspool, but it it was like a small place. It wasn't a place where, you know, it wasn't prominent. It wasn't like in our area, it's not like, oh yeah, San Francisco. You know, with the Niners coming down to Santa Clara, people that aren't from here, they just, they see San Francisco, they think San Francisco. They don't know Santa Clara. What the heck is Santa Clara? What is San Jose? I'm thinking this is San Francisco and all the splendor of, of, of the city. That's kind of how Bethlehem is. It's like it's not known. It's not, it's not a place that was known and wasn't on the map at all. It was truly little among the thousands of Judah. Yet God chose it as the birthplace of the Messiah, the ruler of Israel. But isn't this just like our God? This is just like how God acts in all things. He, he exalts the humble and the lowly. He uses those who are despised by the world. The Bible says that he uses the foolish to confound the wise, and so he he exalts those who are not looked upon as as worth much in the world's eyes, but that's how the the Lord uh, chooses to operate. And so when you look at your own life, it's, you know, consider it a joy that the Lord would choose you because... Uh, in the sense of to be able to use someone who's not thought of as much, but he can do magnificent and mighty things through you, that's a great thing. That can show and prove that it is God and it's not you. And you can just be enamored and other people can be enamored and God will get the glory for all that's done through your life. You see, this passage of Micah chapter 5 verse 2 was quoted by the chief priests and teachers of the law when Herod, remember King Herod, asked, Uh, Where's going to be the birthplace of the Messiah? Many people are familiar with Matthew chapter 2 verses 5 through 6. And that's typically what could be taught on this day. But um, as I did some researching and studying, I was like, this is cool, Lord. Why don't we we read from Micah? Because they were quoting from this actual prophetic scripture about the coming Messiah. So that's pretty cool. Um, Here we go. This is uh, what the, the word Bethlehem, it actually means. It means house of bread. That's what Bethlehem means. And uh, that's pretty cool because Jesus Christ is the bread of life. So, you know, the bread of life comes from the house of bread. And that is Bethlehem. John chapter uh, six, verse 35 tells us, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So, you know, when you hear that today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how your Christmas morning has been. I don't know how your Christmas season has been. But Jesus tells you and me today, this morning, that he is the bread of life. He says, whoever, that means whoever, doesn't matter who it is. If any of us come to him, we won't hunger. Meaning that 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 appetite that we have, that, that inner sense of wanting something and longing for something many times it could be relationships it could be material things it could be security from um you know material things from the world but he says if we go to him we won't hunger he will fulfill every need we he will fulfill every desire that we actually have and we'll never thirst We, we we can learn to be satisfied in christ and that's such an important thing that's not to say that he won't bless you with things. He won't bless you with stuff. It's not to say he won't bless you with relationships, but the whole point is when when the bottom falls out of everything else, you're still going to have him and you're going to hold on to that. And that's what's going to sustain you. And so you're able to, as, as the Apostle Paul, learn to have much and be content and also learn to have little And still be content whether you have much or little you're content because Christ is your contentment Christ is your portion not all this other stuff or all these other people and it actually works out for your benefit and my benefit when he is our portion because then we know how to have relationships right we deal with relationships rightly we deal with people in the right frame of mind because Christ is at the helm so we don't give too much to any person, and we don't give too little to any person. That's a beautiful thing. So you're able to govern your affairs well with, with men and women, with people, because Christ is the one leading you. And that's a beautiful thing. So, uh, Ephrath, uh, this, this, this word, or this title, this means fruitfulness or abundance. So Jesus was born in the house of fruitfulness. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's another beautiful title. Because he is fruitful. Remember, who is he? He is the vine, right? And we are the branches. As long as we stay attached to him, we're going to bear a good fruit. But anyone that's not attached to him, what? Man, they're not, they're not going to bear anything. They're, they're going to be you know, ca- uh, cut off and cast into the fire, uh, not used for anything good. So, again, we see these, uh, these prophetic titles in, in, in uh, the place of where he's from, where he was born. And only Jesus Christ fits the this messianic claim of Micah chapter five verse two. It Goes on in this in this verse to say, "Who goes forth after? Or excuse me. Who goes forth are from old, from everlasting. Okay, this glorious promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and Micah's prophetic voice declares that through that though excuse me, Jesus came from Bethlehem. He didn't begin there. So, see, some people again, when we don't understand the framework, or we if we haven't been given, uh, I guess how can you say, it? Be our 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 souls being awakened, and we're not, we haven't been illuminated to the truth of Jesus Christ, we think, oh well, he just started there. It says he was born in a in a in a, in a feeding trough in Bethlehem. Well, that's where he started, but we know that that's not true. <laughs> that's not true at all. He he didn't begin there. His going forth are from before. The beginnings of the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelation chapter 22 verse 13 tells us, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The application is simply this. This means from the very beginning, from the onset, before the onset of even the world being created, Jesus was there. There was never a time where Jesus Christ did not exist. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he existed as the second person of the Trinity. John chapter 17, verse 5 tells us, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And John chapter 17, verse 24 tells us, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This is this is just great because this is, this is actually speaking of us as believers. He says that I desire also that whom you have given me. So if you're saved, if you've put all of your chips on Christ and said, well, I need a savior, I need a redeemer, you are my Lord, then he's saying he wants you as well, to be able to have His glory revealed to you, so that you could see that God the Father has loved Him from before the foundations of the world, and that's just going to uh, just even even strengthen your faith that much more in Christ, in the in the Triune Godhead, in the fact that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and nobody can tell you otherwise because this has been supernaturally revealed to you. So that that's that that's just a great promise. That's a I mean wh- what what a great. What a, what a great God we serve that, that he would just even desire that for us, that he would reveal that to us. Who are we? We're but, we're, but, we're but evil people at best. We're wicked sinners. And yet he says, I desire that you would reveal your glory of how you've loved me from before the foundations of the world to those who you've allowed me to redeem. And you are part of that. And I am part of that as well. You see these passages tell us that there was a relationship of love, fellowship and a shared glory that the Father and the Son shared before the creation of all things. The name Jesus was not known as the name of the second person of the Trinity until the angel Gabriel announced it to Mary, but the eternal Son existed before he was revealed, before he revealed himself as Jesus. So just because humanity didn't know his name didn't mean that he didn't exist. He's existed, again, outside of space and time. Remember, all all things were made for him by him. And and again, he spoke and, and these things came to be. The application is this. Before Bethlehem, Jesus was the creator of all things. I love this verse. This just speaks This speaks better than what I just said because it's the word of God. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the word, and these are all capital W, so you know it's speaking of the Christ. And the word was with God, and the word was God. You see, that's why we need the Holy Spirit to reveal this to us because if you just read it plainly, people get confused and they're like, this is, it doesn't make sense. No, it makes plain sense. In the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus Christ, and the Word, Jesus Christ, was with God, with God the Father, and the Word was God, showing that they have the same deity. They share the same glory. They are one in the same. You see, He was in the beginning with God, speaking of God the Father, and all things were made through Him. <laughs> through Jesus Christ, all things were made, and without Him was not anything made that was made. It's Plain and clear. <laughs> he was and is before all things. Jesus Christ is the creator of all things. So he literally is the eternal. He is eternal. He is not part of what he created, but he chose to dwell amongst his creation to save it. That's 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 another thing that reveals the love of Christ. He has no part. He's not part of what he created. It's like someone who, I don't know, what is it? Lego Masters, right? I, I don't really watch that show. Sometimes Kalos likes to watch it. But it's like, you know, these people create these magnificent, crazy things on these stages and it's all built out of Legos. That's like God. He's created all this. All this he created. He's not a part of it. He just created it. He can do whatever he wants with it. He can kick it, knock it down, let it drown, let it burn the fire. But he created it. Yet he comes into existence on our level to redeem us and save us. That's how much he loves you and I. That's how much he loves his creation. He does His desire is that none perish. And he's like, man, I'm going to give you the second person of the Trinity in order for you to be saved and receive salvation. That is such a beautiful thing. And that is the reason why we put up trees and, and, and put presents underneath the tree and, and decorate and have cheer and, and joy is because of Christ and what he did. It's the true heart of the message of Christmas. Humanity is broken because of sin, and there's nothing that you and I can do about it. You know, many people say, it's not fair. I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to be born into this. It's such a great privilege, and that that's kind of the, I guess, the paradox, if you will, of the whole thing, is that It's difficult because, yes, no one asked to be here and no one asked to be born a sinner. But yet, because of the condition of the human heart, that is what we are all born into. But again, look at how great our God is, that even though we're all in debt and we could never pay that amount, he gave someone, he gave his only begotten son to pay that debt that we could never repay. And he says, look, it's done. <laughs> you don't owe anything. You can walk freely with me. You can enjoy fellowship with me. I will tabernacle with you forever. You don't have to have guilt. You don't have to have shame. You don't have to earn it, right? I mean, you know, just just think about it. In our society, what? Respect. What do people say? You have to earn it. You want my respect, you have to earn it. You don't have to earn things with God. He gives freely. But it's up to the individual to see their need for it and to receive it. You see, in the Old Testament, Jesus appeared as God made visible or an angel of the Lord. There are many instances in the Old Testament where individuals are shown to have seen and had a face-to-face encounter with the Lord. And I really like this portion of Scripture. I'll share it for the sake of context Um, It's found in Joshua chapter five, verse 13 through 15. And it says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and, and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You see, there's so many instances like this in the Bible. And in each situation, the person is given different titles. But in all cases, the person is plainly referred to as the Lord capital L O R D meaning that's God himself but appearing in human form. From before the creation of all things God's plan of the ages included Jesus Christ and this is what we need to remember. First Peter chapter 1 verse 20 tells us He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. And and and, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Again, understanding that he manifested himself in human form so that we may understand who he is and we may understand his love for us and he, we may understand what our, what our purpose is. So many people go through life and they, they don't understand what their purpose is. They're, everyone's searching for pu- purpose. Everyone's searching for meaning. The meaning of life is found in Jesus Christ. The purpose for your life and my life is found in Jesus Christ. Unless you come to him, You're never going to find out what your true purpose for life is. And you could do everything and anything in this world, but you'll never be satisfied because your foundation and the purpose for your life is bound up in Him. The application is this. Jesus Christ is the true and living personal God. You see, He came to earth as a ransom for you and me personally. This is a personal thing. This isn't just... A geographic thing, this isn't just groups of people. This is every single individual he came for. He knows you by name. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Or for those of you who are balding, he knows the number of uh, pores on your head. (laughs) But he knows everything about you. The Bible says that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully created. He knitted us and formed us in our mother's womb in such a unique way that he has a specific purpose for all of us. Knowing that Jesus is going forth from old, from everlasting, shows us some important things. And I'll end with these few points right here. The first one is this. It shows us the glory of Jesus Christ, that he is far more than a man. He is 100% God. He is the God man. And he had to be born of a virgin because, as I said last week, the seed of men is corrupt. And if he was born not from a virgin, that would have meant he inherited the sin nature that is inherently in all of us. All of our offspring are corrupt because we have the sin nature. So he is far more than a man. He is the God man, Jesus Christ. It shows us the love of Jesus Christ, that he would leave the glory of heaven for us. Everything is posh in heaven. God is perfect. God is great. Heaven, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. He says that there's so many, there's so much room in heaven. Mansions, what? I mean, what we walk on, you know, where people spit and where people put gum. You get gum on your shoe and it's dirty and nasty. The dirty and nasty part of, of well, there is no dirty and nasty part of heaven, but if, if I could use the, the analogy or the illustration, the sidewalk is made of gold. Pure gold, clear gold, beyond 24 karat, beyond what you can get in India. But he loves us so much, he left all that for us. The third point is this. He shows us the nature of Jesus Christ, that he would add humanity to his deity. We are to walk in humility. Why? Because our God walks in humility. Our Savior, <laughs> he allowed himself to be born in an in a, in a, in a animal feeding trough. And I heard a great message and the pastor was talking about, was it really, was it really enjoyable for Christ? Was it really enjoyable for him to leave heaven, for him to come into a dirty, nasty, sin-filled world, to be, to be born in those kind of conditions, to be born in a place where it was, it, it was disrespected and disregarded and looked at as, as, as a, as a back, backdrop to, to the world. But you see, it was a joy to him. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He didn't do it angrily. He didn't do it bitterly. He didn't do it half-heartedly. He did it with the pure motive of wanting to redeem his creation. It also shows us the sympathy of Jesus Christ, that he remains fully man and fully God. That's who he is now. Because he had to take on this form in order to be the perfect sacrifice. And so when we meet him, when we see him, we will see the holes in his hands as Thomas did. We will see him in his glorified state. But he humbled himself and took on the form of his creation to save it. Rejoice today in the birth of your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the only one that can ensure that you will have eternal life and peace with God the Father forever. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus. Lord, he is the true and living God, and we are so grateful that, Lord, we, we know this truth. Lord, I pray that as... You just uh, take us through this day, and whatever our day looks like, Lord, whoever we spend the day with, Lord, may we remember that you've saved us for a purpose. And that purpose is to demonstrate the love and the truth of who you are to every person around us, Lord. No person is insignificant, or revival starts with one heart at a time, one person at a time. Or you're just looking for anybody to say, I'm here, help me to be obedient. You say that obedience trumps sacrifice. You don't care about sacrifices. You care about obedience, Lord. Help us to live a life of obedience and a life in love to you, Lord. So we thank you. Father, we praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. It's all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name that we pray. Amen.